Hello, bonjour and salam alaikum. Welcome to Stand Out from the Crowd, the first live podcast dedicated about no BS leadership. And we talk all about it, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. If you're new here, welcome. My name is Doreen. And, you know, I would like to encourage you to go over on Spotify and Apple Podcast to uh, leave us a five-star review uh, because I think we do deserve it. Don't you think so? I think so. <laughs> we are talking about how to build and grow a world-class career. And when we talk about world-class career, we look at those profiles who have uh, developed their career, you know, within international organizations or big 500 uh, uh, companies. But what does it take from the inside? And what does it look like from the other side? What are the things that you need to do and to take in consideration in order to, to ensure that you become the leader you were meant to be? What is the roadmap to get there? And so today, our standout guest, Jimmy Revenas-Webb, is the president and CEO of the United Nations Association in Canada. So from the World Bank to working with uh, various UN agencies, she has climbed the ladder in a highly competitive environment while dedicated her career to bringing innovative solutions to climate change and sustainability issues. And during our conversation, uh, she's going to share how to build a world-class career while making an impact. So please help me welcome Jimmy to the Stand Up Show. Hello, Jimmy. How are you doing? Very well. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on, Doreen. So, Jimmy, let's get into it right away. If I would ask your family members or your loved ones three words to describe you, what would they use? What would they say? Hmm, probably stubborn. Uh, I, these are two words that I'm going to put them together as a hyphen, not humble uh, and passionate. Wow, passionate, we get it. Stubborn, I think it is necessary and that can be a quality though, especially when we are ambitious women and when we want to achieve something special in our life. Now, not humble, you said? Tell us yeah. a little bit more about this one. Yeah, um, my my kids are always saying this, that, you know, Mama, you're many, many things, but humble is certainly not one of them. And that's because I learned over the years that if I don't stand up and say, I am good and I'm doing good, then I found myself sliding into the background. Uh, so I don't go blasting it you know, all over the place. I don't say, you know, hi, nice to meet you. I'm doing good and I'm a good person. <laughs> um, but certainly when I'm proud of something, I'm not ashamed of that pride. And I find that so often women are. So often women accomplish things and we're almost embarrassed about our accomplishments. Um, now, I have to say, I'm not quite as good as being not humble in the public space as I am in my own home where I'm comfortable, but uh, it's something I'm working on. Yes, and, and I love we are starting with this point because through the work that I, that I do, it's all about, you know, showcasing your expertise, promoting yourself, talking about your value and being self-aware in the first place as a woman of the value that you bring to the table. Because once you are aware of what you bring to the table and, you know, what it is worth, you are in a better position to communicate about it and to negotiate, you know, uh, better perks, better salary and so on. And you can be the best at what you do. What's the point if no one knows it? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I've interviewed hundreds of people over the course of my career. And the studies that back this up, my, my own experience in that is that when I'm interviewing women, they often say, we did this, we accomplished that. And uh, men often say, I did this and I accomplished that. And in both cases, you know, nobody assumes that, that as a woman, you're you're responsible for every accomplishment that your team has made. And nobody ex assumes that as, as a man, that when you say I, there is nobody there backing you up and supporting you. And I'm very aware of that. But I tell you where I noticed the difference was in a lot with a lot of my male colleagues who would say things like, yes, but he obviously took more of a leadership role than she did because he said why and she said we. Uh, and to hear that reflected back, to hear, to hear those assumptions, reflected back on on me and to me in these interview processes it really made me understand the value of standing up and standing out wonderful what a great way to start this conversation so you have dedicated your career so when looking at your profile and and, and biography there is a pattern, right? And I can see clearly there is a passion there and this, this willingness to, to make a difference, especially when it comes to sustainability and, and, and climate change. Um, is that something that was obvious for you from, from a, a young age? Because you were focusing on sustainability even before it was a thing, right? So you have been like working on this topic for years and years, even before it was a trend, if I can say so. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your thought process. Did you observe something? Were you passionate about something? Were you worried maybe about something when growing up? Yeah, I mean, I was very, very blessed to grow up in the traditional unceded territory of the Tsleil-Waututh Nation um, in North Vancouver, BC. It's an absolutely beautiful neighborhood right up against nature. And so I spent a good portion of my time in the woods, on the beach, scrambling in around, you know, where, wherever I happen to find myself. Uh, and I appreciated the stewardship of the land by the Tsleil-Waututh Nation for generations and generations that gifted this experience and this opportunity to me. Even as a, as a younger child, I understood that and I understood the importance of that. Uh, and I also understood that that left me with a debt to pay, uh, that I needed to step up and do the same thing for the next generation, for my own children, for my friends' children and those who would come after us. Uh, so it truly was just being able to be myself in nature, to appreciate nature, to grow, to learn in nature that that drove me to a career in sustainability when, yeah, as you say, 20 years ago, uh, everybody was talking about the sustainability discount. You know, if you go into sustainability, well, you know, you, you better be passionate about it because you're never going to make a career. And mm -hmm. uh, that, thankfully, uh, that is now not no longer the case. But uh, at the time, it was not seen as a smart decision, but it was certainly the right decision for me. You were ahead of time, uh, definitely, <laughs> um, when you look at what's happening right now. But, you know, that's very important also what you're seeing here. Like, you felt it was the right decision for you. Uh, did your... So you grew up in northern uh, Vancouver and you, you had this this privilege, I want to say, to uh, to be surrounded, you know, by by the history and... and, and, and so I'm not sure if First Nation individuals is the right term here, but with the locals, you know, that, you know, who have this, this passion and this respect and for whom nature is such a big part of, of, of their culture. Um, 
were you the only one feeling this way? Uh, how did your family, you know, react to the fact that, okay, you know, this is how I feel and this is what I want to do, even though back in time, it didn't look like a bright future for yourself? Um, I don't think they were particularly bothered either way. My my mom always used to say, I know you're going to change the world somehow. I just don't know how, uh, which was both an inspiration and a burden. I've got to be honest with you. Uh, and, you know, as, as for my dad, my dad you know, grew up in the construction sector uh, where you know, women didn't really have a role to play. So I don't think he ever had any career expectations for me. Uh, most of the people that he worked with and worked around, you know, the, their wives would work when they needed extra money, but that that was it. And so the idea of a career was not something that he valued very highly uh, or expected very much uh, from, from me. Um, I was the first person in my family to go to university. And that was, again, you know, my, my family was very supportive of that, uh, and, but they didn't really know what to expect as I went through this new path for our family into higher education. And uh, there, I think there was, there was some uh, confusion about where does this go? What does this lead to other than standard doctor, lawyer, uh, engineer fields, yeah. which just never, never in the cards for me. <laughs> yeah, the traditional ways of, you know, <laughs> or the traditional professions that are associated with success. So that's very interesting because, you know, when we think about the United Nations and, you know, getting your, uh, getting a foot uh, within the institution, we know how challenging it is, or at least I know how challenging it can be. And there is this idea that if you don't know someone from within, you know, it's hard to get in and so on and so on. So how did you go from, you know, being the first uh, person to go to university in your family to building uh, a successful and meaningful career within the UN system? So what was the process? Did you feel mm -hmm. like, hey, you know what, this is what I aiming for? I'm going to make it happen. So, yeah, I'm curious to know a little bit more about the process and the ups and downs. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, well, actually, so I decided I wanted to work for the World Bank because my thesis supervisor, when I did my master's thesis, said, whatever you do, don't work for the World Bank. And him and I didn't get along very well. So when I graduated, I said, you know what, if he says I shouldn't work for the World Bank, then I probably should. Uh, but I, as you said, I didn't know anyone. So what I did is I ordered the World Bank phone book. At the time, this ages me. At the time, it was an actual you know, book with real paper and everything. Learned what the acronyms meant because they had all sorts of acronyms and just started calling people. Uh, and I was in D.C. for, for a couple of months uh, and I called people and said, will you have coffee with me? I want to talk about a career in the World Bank. And eventually I found somebody who said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll have coffee with you. I uh, sat down with her for about an hour. Uh, she was an incredibly inspirational woman who had balanced a career and a family and very similar, you know, came from a background where it wasn't an automatic pathway into international development. Uh, and she gave me my first opportunity. She gave me an internship. I was an intern for about a month. And then she said, okay, I want to hire you as a consultant. So I was a consultant for about four months and then um, stepped into a staff position. So it really was, um, it, it, but it was hard. And when I look back on it now with the awareness I have these days, I do understand that during that period where there were so many people that said no, so many people that didn't even answer the phone, uh, I did start to feel some depression. Uh, 
and there were some days where I just said, I just can't do it today. I just can't do it. I, I you know, I just want to sleep as much of the day as I can so that I can get on to tomorrow because tomorrow will be better. So uh, I don't want to paint a rosy picture of that process because it was it was not easy. Uh, but the end result was that, yeah, I, I found my passion and I found a place where I truly did belong and where I could thrive. Yeah, and networking. Networking is the key here. And it is not easy. It is really not easy. And so it was a, like a, a, a 10 years ago. So now when you look now, right now, fast forward, um, here there is an opportunity for everyone everyone watching and listening to this podcast is you, we are living in a time of opportunities that is unprecedented. You know, when it comes to accessing to people, LinkedIn, use LinkedIn, leverage LinkedIn, uh, putting yourself out there, making yourself visible to the right people. We talked about it at the beginning of this conversation. Get yourself known, you know, your expertise and your value known through building a personal brand on LinkedIn. I'm a little bit practical here, but this is an opportunity that you have right now and that most of you are not leveraging. And I don't want you to wake up a couple of years from now and to realize that it was too late because it has become a credit space. LinkedIn is still a space and a place where you can make it happen organically and faster than what you think. So use that opportunity to reach out and to build your network and to introduce yourself to people. Please, you have the privilege and we have the privilege not having to go <laughs> the not and, you know, page to page and calling people now because back in time, it was very hard. It's, it is still hard today, but we are way more equipped to, you know, having a successful outcome than when you did it, basically. Well, I'd agree with you largely there, Ian, but I would actually add something to that, which is that the key to successful networking is giving something as well. Uh, making you know a connection of your own, uh, sharing an idea, sharing a passion. And I find that a lot of people, when they're using LinkedIn and are connecting with me, they're not looking to bring anything to me. They're just looking to, hey, can you, you know, can I talk to you about a career? Can I, can you tell me what to do? What's the next mm. step? Uh, and that, that is something that I would really encourage people to look at when you are networking, regardless of the platform. If you're just trying to get something, if you're just trying to get a job, if you're just trying to get a meeting, that's not networking, that's sales. You're selling yourself and you want somebody to, you know, to, to, uh, to give you an opportunity. Mm -hmm. That's sales. Networking is when you say, I want to build a relationship. And as we all know, relationships require give and take. And so uh, what I always talk to, to we work, I work with a lot of young people and I talk to them a lot about networking. And they said, but I, you know, what can I possibly offer? I said, your passion, your ideas, your even your faith in in us, you know, the people who are in positions of leadership. Those are all things that you can bring to a networking opportunity that are yours to give, uh, and that should never be undervalued. Your passion, your ideas, your 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 faith in leadership are truly valuable for those of us with whom you're networking. Yeah, and that's that's very true. 
very true. Thank you for bringing that 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 as well. So let's welcome a few people on the show. Actually, Shuraka is tuning in from Toronto. So welcome, Shuraka. We have Vicky also who is tuning in from uh, Vancouver, North Vancouver, BC. Okay, so welcome. We have another person uh, tuning in from Stockholm in Sweden. See, that's what I love. When I talk about opportunities, you get to meet people or to meet people and that you will never otherwise, right? So I, I love it. Thank you so much. And Vicky here says, uh, thank you for this opportunity to hear about uh, Miss Weeby. Thank you so much. So now you, we talked about before going live, we had a conversation where we were talking about your, your career path, right? And, and you shared with me that maybe your career path was not the more logical from uh, a financial perspective. So because we feel like, okay, when you are at the UN, you don't leave the UN, right? You settle there and you live the beautiful life. <laughs> But uh, that's not always the case and for different reasons. So now you are the president and CEO of the, the, the United Nations Associations in Canada, right, which is a, a non-for-profit organization which represents uh, the UN, um, uh, you know, uh, advocacy interest in Canada, but this is not really working for the UN. So tell us a little bit uh, uh, more about your career path, you know, uh, working for one of the greatest and biggest organizations in the world, climbing the ladder and then decided to leave for something that is smaller but not less meaningful though yeah uh, it, it absolutely is non-traditional and uh, a lot of people look at it and i actually left the un twice i left the un once uh, when i was a young mother and i was traveling too much i said nope i need to take a couple of years off and at the time she said you're insane you said no this is this is what i need uh this is what i need to grow as a person i need to learn how to be a mom i need to learn how to be home for my kids i need to learn how to experience uh, pta and school events and things like that uh and the second time i left it was you know not for not for the same reason but because i found myself doing the same thing that I had been doing for 10 years. And what really hit me is I was reviewing a project, a climate change adaptation project, and I said, this project looks really familiar. It looks like a project I reviewed 10 years ago. There's, there's improvements. There's a better focus on women and gender equality. There's more stakeholder engagement. Uh, but beyond that, I feel like I'm almost doing the same thing now as I did 10 years ago. And I realized that I wasn't growing and learning in the way that I really needed to, to be able to look back and say, I contributed everything that I had the capacity to contribute. So I was contributing a lot. Everybody was happy with my work. It was great. Uh, but I felt that I had the capacity to, to contribute more, but needed to shake things up. Uh, and one of the hardest, but most important things to, to carry through you with your career is courage, mm -hmm. courage to say, this might not be the smart move by everybody else's definitions, but this is the move that I need to make in order for to, to achieve my own goals. Uh, and for me, my goals have always been to be able to say, I have done as much as I can possibly do 
to move this agenda forward, the sustainable development agenda forward. Uh, and that doesn't always mean staying in the same place for 10, 15 years. Um, that doesn't always mean moving up incrementally in the same office. Sometimes that means shaking things up entirely and saying, I'm gonna put myself in an uncomfortable situation and I'm gonna thrive. Wow. I'm going to put myself in an uncomfortable situation and I'm going to thrive. So now tell us about the work that you do at uh, UNA Canada and what, how do you feel that it is helping you thriving in the way you had envisioned it for yourself? Oh, I am. Every week I learn something new, whether it's how to set up a healthcare savings account or whether it's how to uh, to engage with northern communities. I just every week I'm learning something new. Uh, and what really inspires me is our, our young participants, the youth that we work with when you see the passion that they bring and uh, the youth we work with, they have the skills, the capabilities, the passion. They just need someone to just kind of open the door and say, here's the seat at the table. It's waiting for you. Come on in. Uh, and every day I get to work with some of the most amazing young people across Canada. Uh, we you know, take them as delegates to UN meetings, uh, help them find internships in UN agencies. We program locally to so help them to launch local community action towards sustainability uh, or equity in their own community. And uh, it's just, it's so the combination of learning all the time and being inspired by so many young people is it's where I'm supposed to be. Wow. And do you feel that you are having a greater impact right now? I'm having a different impact. Okay. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah, it's very, very much different. It's, it's comparing apples to oranges before I was working with, government ministries and you know had a broader impact in terms of the number of overall people that my work was was affecting uh, but the the level of impact was it was it was very different it wasn't as deep it wasn't as personal uh, as it is now so what is uh what is the, the the legacy that you would like to leave behind mm. um i I want the people who love me to be proud of me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that just sums it up. Uh, and I know that a big part of that is being proud of myself. Uh, because the people who love us, they don't necessarily see us only as a reflection that we present to the world. They also see us as a reflection of ourselves. Uh, and I do think I'm my biggest critic. Uh, and uh, I, I would like to... to find myself in a space where I say, yes, I, I'm happy with who I am and what I've accomplished. And I feel like uh, I have achieved my potential. Uh, and at that point, I know that the people that love me are going to truly feel, feel proud of me. Wow, that's, that's powerful. And so what would be so what would be your one piece of advice for Uh, for everyone, but more especially for women and, and young women who are watching and listening to us, um, who would like, you know, to, to, to build either a career at the UN or even just, you know, building 
an impactful, meaningful career who have ambitions, but they feel like maybe they don't fit or maybe they don't have the courage. And when you talk about having the courage, I can see myself uh, many years uh, ago where I feel like I didn't, now I can say it, obviously, but back in time, um, I didn't have the courage, you know, to really go for what I wanted to achieve. And and I wish I had, you know, uh, access to those kind of conversations to, to know that, oh, it's okay, but I still can do it. Because all the way I thought, all this time, I thought that there was something wrong with me mm. because you don't know what you don't know, right? And, and and so what what would you like to what would be the piece of advice that you would give to young people and, and women also who who feel like they might not have enough courage to do it but they still have this this passion from within yeah uh, I've heard a lot of people say you know you have to stay focused you need to set yourself a goal and you have to stay focused on that goal and I actually completely disagree with that because I don't think we can ever predict where our paths are going to take us. Uh, what I always say is, what do you want to, to learn? Um, what do you want to know more about? And that's your goal. And if you follow that, it will lead you to your, to your final goal. But it mu it's not necessarily a direct path. Uh, when it comes to careers in the UN, absolutely most critical uh, experience you need to have is international experience. So when I looked at hiring people within the UN, when colleagues were, we'd look, has this person worked in an international setting? Doesn't matter for whom. It doesn't have to be for the UN or for one of the development banks. Uh, it can be with you know, a nonprofit that's, mm -hmm. that's working in the community. Uh, but what that shows is that you are willing to learn from people who are so completely different from you. And you understand that the pathway that you've taken in life is not enough for you to change the world. You need to learn about the pathways that other people have taken in their lives. And you need to constantly be doing that through every opportunity you can. And you will arrive at the at your end goal. I'm sure of it. Uh, but you just look at it. You know, if you've been passionate about understanding uh, you know, school teachers in rural Namibia. Well, find a way to work in education in rural N Namibia. It doesn't have to be with the UN as a first step because you need to learn that perspective before you can even bring that into your work. And I've been so lucky to have opportunities to work with so many amazing people around the world who shared their knowledge with me, shared their experiences with me and have taught me every step of the way. And I always say, if you're the smartest person in the room, you haven't invited the right people to the table. Ooh, that's very true. Ooh, that's very true. Yeah, if you are the smartest person in the room, you haven't invited the right people because how are you going to learn and grow, right? Very powerful. And I would like to thank uh, uh, Rachel for joining us as well and Vicky actually for sharing her own experience where she says, I had an amazing experience following my childhood dream this December. Okay, so it's quite recent. Um, so I had a dream to volunteer and work for the UN since I was in my youth. I love being a volunteer at the UN Biodiversity Conference in Montreal. I have been trying to understand how I can move forward in my life, in my education and career. I'm so grateful to hear Mrs. Weves insights in, in learning to how to build your career. Exactly. So 
you decided to follow your childhood dream. And I feel this is one of the most rewarding things that you can do for yourself, you know, not forgetting because as we grow up, you know, we have so many inputs from society and from social media, from family and other people of what is it expected from us that oftentimes we forget about our uh, childhood dream. And for those of you who have the opportunity and the chance, you know, to to turn your childhood dream into a reality, this is really a blessing, let me tell you. So that's something you can be proud of. I remember Vicky, and I just wanted to make a, a comment uh, because what really struck me about Vicky is that she would come to, to the cop every day and she'd say, what do you need me to do? And that was her contribution. It wasn't, you know, what could, wh this is what I want to do. This is what I, you know, I, where I want you to put me. It was, how can I help? What can I do? And I would also add that as, as a really important bit of career advice. When you walk into a situation, understanding how you can best contribute, asking the question, what can I do is so important. And I really appreciated that about Vicky and of the fact that she was always smiling every time I saw her, even at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> and, and you know, actually, so I want to share that experience now that you are bringing this and kudos to you, Vicky, once again, is I remember when I, I moved to Canada, as so I was 10, 12 years ago, I really wanted to work for uh, the Association of Human Women in Canada. And I would, I would send them emails. I, would, didn't, I, I wouldn't get any answer. And what I decided to do is for six months in a row, I sent an email with my resume and, and, and um, a cover letter every two weeks. <laughs> every two weeks for six months. That's what I did because I was like, okay, at some point, they will give me an answer. Even if it's no, at least I know. But as long as I don't get an answer, this is what I'm going to do. So I was following them. I was attending events. I was, you know, introducing myself. And I would keep sending emails, emails every two weeks until the day finally I got uh, uh, an, an answer. And then I become the national manager for UN Women in Canada, right? So you have to, to create your own luck and you have to be dedicated and committed to make it happen from a perspective. How can I contribute? Because when I was sending my resume cover letter, that was not, hey, I want to get a job. No, that was okay. How can I bring my expertise and my knowledge to contribute to your mission? And that was my ultimate goal, right? To contribute to the mission of the organization. And this is how I finally got an opportunity. So create your own opportunities. Be smiling and, and all, like position yourself from a place of service. Jamie say that, I'm saying it again, when you position yourself from a place of service, it can never go wrong. Is there anything else you would like to add to this before we wrap up, Jamie? No, just thank you very much for the opportunity and I uh, look forward to connecting with anybody who would like more information about the UN Association in Canada, send me a message or connect with me on LinkedIn and I would be happy to, to share. Thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you everyone for the, this wonderful session. As a recent graduate starting my career, it is truly a pleasure to learn from Mrs. Webby. See, you are inspiring. So your voice matters, right? And uh, Vicky also who says thank you uh, so much. Uh, uh, it was truly a special experience. 
and uh, I'm grateful to have had the opportunity to fulfill so many roles. So Carolina also says thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. And for those of you watching the replay, feel free to leave your comment and question, and we will look at it later on. Thank you, everyone. You take care. You stay safe. And I will see you next week, Wednesday, for another live episode of Stand Up From The Crowd. Bye-bye, everyone.